Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. And today, David and I also are going to talk to you about my new Apple Watch Series 7, which I got yesterday, and the 2021 MacBook Pro. We want to follow up with you to tell you how to go about customizing to get the best MacBook Pro if you are thinking to buy one. And also, uh, the early reviews are in, so we want to chat about that as well. Yes. First, David has a sponsor to tell you about. So today's sponsor is Spiritual Me. Uh, And Spiritual Me is a new sponsor, so you haven't had a chance to hear about it, and they're really cool. So it's an app that helps you focus your mind. Uh, You can learn meditation. It's calming. It helps you be clear. And it's free to download. Uh, So check it out in the App Store now, in the iPhone and iPad App Store. And it's just a great way, if you have a stressful day, to take a minute for yourself. Awesome. I also want to tell you about some of our offerings at iPhone Life. First, I want to tell you about our daily tip. If you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tip, you can sign up for our really popular free newsletter that where we send you a tip every day in your inbox that teaches you something you can do, something cool you can do with your iPhone in less than a minute. <laughs> um, so iphonelife.com slash daily tip is where you can go to sign up. I wanted to share a tip with you that came out this week from us that I think is really um, a really great way to make sure that you're protecting your health and staying safe with your iPhone. And that's how to enable walking steadiness, which is one of the new iOS oh, yeah. 15 features. And we ha- we don't talk about the health features of your iPhone that much, um, but Apple with the Apple Watch and with your iPhone has been putting more focus on that. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's really important. Um, so I think it was like something like 37 million people a year have falls where they're like getting really hurt. Um, and so Apple is trying to do something about that and actually has the capability with your iPhone to tell how um, stable your walking is. And so if you go into the health app and scroll down to summary or you tap summary in the menu, and then there'll be like a little bubble they have different sections for the different health features and it'll say walking steadiness. And so you tap on that, tap setup, you're taken through a little setup process. And in there, you'll have the option to turn on notifications so that if there's anything off with the way you're walking, you can um, turn on notifications for that. And I also recommend adding this to your favorites because at the bottom, whenever you go and enable one of the health features in the health app, you'll have the option to add it to your favorites. And that way, just every time you open the health app and go to your summary, it'll be up there at the top. So you can have all of your like most important health metrics there for you to look at at any time. So I went ahead and enabled that a couple weeks ago. And um, so far, my walking yeah, steadiness is ask. okay. okay. How's yours? Good. Uh, I will now go enable it. I feel good about it, but I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, it's good to cover because I feel like Apple's rolling out a whole bunch of these types of features for health. And a lot of them are more just like, go turn them on and it'll monitor in the background. But because you don't have to do very much very regularly, I sometimes forget to even turn them on. So it's yeah. good to reminder to go t- turn them on and like how to access it in the health app. Yeah, the Apple Watch 2, I think is, um, 
I've been wanting to do a magazine roundup where we go over all the health features and safety features of your Apple Watch to sh- tell people how to turn that on yeah. because it's a kind of a cool concept, really, having your iPhone and your Apple Watch kind of looking after you yeah, in a certain totally. way. Um, my grandma, for instance, just got an Apple Watch and she's 92 and lives alone. And she doesn't have one of those lifeline necklaces either. And so it's giving us all peace of mind as family members knowing she has the Apple Watch because it does, you know, have fall detection, this walking mm-hmm. steadiness feature and all taken together. It's um, pretty powerful. Yeah, that's what I was just getting ready to say. Not only do you have the walking steadiness feature, but if you have an Apple Watch, if you are concerned about your walking steadiness, fall detection, I agree, gives me such peace of mind um, for people who have some uh, steadiness issues. Mm -hmm. And then also um, there's the, you know, heart arrhythmia. With Apple Watch, there's a bunch of other health features that that are measured as well. So uh, it's a pretty amazing safety and health feature device. Um, So I also wanted to take a moment to tell you about our premium subscription, which is called iPhone Life Insider. So our daily tip is our free offering where you get our daily email. That's one minute a day. But we focus mainly on the iPhone, and it's just a written tip. It isn't any video content. So with our Insider subscription, you get a video version of our daily tip delivered to your inbox every day. And then you also get access to a ton of really comprehensive in-depth guides on all all of the different Apple devices, including your Mac, Apple Watch, iPad, and you also, anytime there's a new software update with new features, we have guides dedicated just to that. So you're making sure to take advantage of everything that your Apple devices have to offer. So this educational subscription is an amazing value. We also have live online courses. You get a digital subscription to iPhone Life Magazine, which includes our annual buyer's guide and our annual best apps issue. So you're making sure to stay up on all the coolest accessories and apps to go with your Apple devices. And you get um, also one-on-one tech support from us. We have a feature called Ask an Expert, where anytime you're having a tech issue, you just contact us and we make sure to help you come to a, a good solution. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you get an extra 10% off your subscription to iPhone Life. We're right now still offering a 50% promotion um, to to off at iPhone Life. So you want to take advantage of this. Um, It's for the next two weeks, I believe, we're offering 50% off. So you... November 13th. Yeah, because we just came out with our comprehensive iPad guide. We're teaching our iPad OS 15 course right now. So to celebrate that, we extended our 50% off offer. So it's an awesome time to join and take advantage of that and come join our class. I'm teaching it with our uh, senior instructor, Colin Thomas. So I hope to see you there. And this is, we do this promotion once a year. This is, it's about to end. You cannot, we never sell insider for cheaper so if you've been listening to this podcast for a while you're on the fence now's the time we have all of our ios 15 content we just came out with our ipad guide and we're about to come out with our mac os guide so yeah really there's been never been a better time so if you're in the market for a macbook pro which we're going to get to that soon in this episode you'll uh, you'll want to check out this guide that's coming out to learn all the features that come with your new MacBook. Yes. So again, iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. All right, I am done telling you about <laughs> iPhone Life Insider. Uh, so let's move on to uh, our apps and gear section before we get into Apple Watch Series 7 and MacBook stuff. Cool. 
So I have, we both have Belkin products we to talk about today. Do. And that's not a coincidence. Belkin, both of us now have MagSafe compatible phones and Belkin does a great job with MagSafe. So that's why. Okay. <clears throat> Should I go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So um, I've been trying out this Belkin 3-in-1 wireless charger with MagSafe. Mm -hmm. It's a 15-watt charger. And um, I have it set up on my desk. Uh, MagSafe, just for a reminder for all of you listening, is uh, a magnetic mounting system for your iPhone that locks your iPhone into place on the charger so that it's, it makes sure to wirelessly charge um, instead of other wireless chargers where if you don't set it down just right, it might slip off and not charge when you, when you set it there overnight. Um, so... I have been really enjoying this. It's actually the first time I've tested out MagSafe at all. Yeah. Which I'm a little embarrassed to say. I feel like I should have tested it out a year ago. Um, but it's really satisfying the way it just, you know, locks into place. And it's especially good for docks. Like if I just had a flat charger, it's nice to know that it's actually charging, but it doesn't have the added benefit of um, being like suspended in a way that you can use it and wow and also be charging so i really like that i also just got my new apple watch so it's nice that i can charge that and get the rapid charge because now i have the series 7 that can do that so i can charge it up at work quickly um and then also i have airpods so there's a little charging section on the bottom that i can place that there too yeah so i have like all my apple devices besides my ipad charging it's 150 dollars, so it's not particularly cheap but it's you know it's a really nice um, dock, and I think that uh, for all three devices, chargers for all three devices, it's not like too unreasonable. And it's white and sleek looking. I like it. And I think I'm of the opinion that everybody should invest in a dock of some kind because otherwise you just have cables everywhere. And yeah. it's really nice to have it organized. Um, I'm a big fan of the um, ma the magic, I always call it magic, <laughs> of the MagSafe. Because, A, one thing that I think people don't realize, it charges at 15 watts. So it charges faster than a traditional Qi wireless charging pad. Um, and, B, yeah, I have it happen to me so much where on a traditional wireless charging pad, I just don't align it quite right. Yeah. And then it doesn't charge. And that doesn't happen. Um, so yeah. And for, for um, context for people with a 15-watt charging, Qi wireless charging can charge Android devices at a higher wattage than iPhones. So I think with the iPhone, it was something like seven and a half or eight watts yeah. is the maximum yeah. amount of um, of charging power you can get on your iPhone. So this is pretty much double that. Yeah. So it is, it's significantly it charges better. charges faster. Um, but it's also to me not a, a coincidence that we're both starting to charge the, or trying to test these out because even though Apple introduced MagSafe last year, it's been a while for third-party accessories to really roll these out, and it yeah. feels like they're just now coming out. So MagSafe is compatible for the 12 and the 13 lines, FYI. So if you have one of those phones, the, that would be the phones you can use for it. And so I'll tell you about mine. Um, my product is called the Belkin uh, Boost Charge, and I'm a big fan of having a battery pack that I carry with me when I'm traveling because sometimes especially traveling, but anytime really, it's like, it's just, we're all so dependent on our phones now that if your phone's dying, you really want to have something available, especially if you're traveling, let's say, because I just was traveling and I'm in a foreign city, foreign country, and I don't know how to get back home. And so if I don't have my phone on me, it's really can be problematic. So 
I think everybody needs to have a battery pack of some kind. And what makes, makes this one great is the same thing we were just talking about. It uses MagSafe technology. So what's great about that is you don't need any extra wires. It just clips or it magnetically attaches to the back of your phone and charges that way. Um, so you can just throw it in your pocket in the beginning of the day. Whenever you need it, you just snap it on. Uh, and it's uh, pretty compact relative to how much battery power you get. Um, the main perk, again, is that you get that mag safe. And it's pretty reasonably priced. Belkin has... Uh, high-end products. So it's pretty reasonably priced for the quality you're getting, $39. Yeah, so yours is like the cheaper option. Well, I mean, they're totally different things. They're different Yeah, things. they're pretty yeah. different. But um, one thing I just wanted to mention with MagSafe too, just a little complaint to throw in there, even though I do like it, is it is annoying that you have to buy a MagSafe case. So yes. it's like that's part of the, my resist. It took me a while to really get bought into MagSafe because you have to like – change out your accessories. Everything has to be MagSafe compatible. But now that it's been a year, there's just more available. There's more cases available. Like I, um, this is also a OtterBox case that I like. That's okay. pretty, um, pr I think it was like 30 bucks or something like that. And it works with MagSafe. And I, so, yeah. I think most new cases are MagSafe compatible. I have the Nomad. I talked about it in the last episode I was in. And it's I like it because it's not only MagSafe, but it looks premium. One of the things that kind of irks me about MagSafe cases is like they have they often show you the weird ring. Yeah, which mine has. Yeah, if up. you're watching the video podcast, you'll see. And I don't know. It I looks don't think okay. It, it looks fine. It's it's a look. It's not great. <laughs> so that's why I, I like, like my the Nomad color of case. This case I think. Yeah, and it, it is nice for lining it up when you want to use MagSafe. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say though, MagSafe is not that secure of a magnetic pull like when i have it on the dock there's i think if i hit my phone uh like hard enough it would just fly off so oh, it's not really sticking to scary, it that so yeah. it's a little bit scary so you still need to be proceed with caution um but anyway i agree with you there's enough companies now offering magsafe that it's worth it's worth checking it out yeah okay so now to moving on to talking about the 2021 macbook pro Last episode, Colin joined me. We um, reported on the iPhone announcement of the new 2021 MacBook Pro, and we went through whether or not to buy it and compared it to the M1 MacBook Air, which came out earlier this year, and I have. Both devices have Apple's own silicon chip, which is a first for Apple. In the past, they've used Intel processors. So we've covered with you. You can go back and listen to that if you need a refresh on that, but uh, the short of it is that the M1 processor that Apple came out with is really amazing. The MacBook Air got amazing reviews. And now the new MacBook Pro has the M1X and M1 Pro chips available. So you can choose which one of those that you want. And it's even more amazing than the, the M1. Um, some of the benefits of it is that it allows you to have a much longer battery life for your MacBook Pro. And it runs a lot um, uh, cooler, so you don't need as much fan power, and and you don't get that like hot MacBook. And also, um, uh, you do want to add on to that. What's good about the M1? Yeah, I mean, it's so we're getting the reviews starting to come in, um, and as expected, the reviews are amazing. Um, <laughs> just because it's a really powerful chip. That the main thing is, it's a really powerful chip. I'm I'm looking up the cores now, but I think it's I want to say it's ten core. 
Um, and so you get a really powerful chip. And then also, in addition, Apple has changed the form factor to go back in some ways to things that people loved in the past, such mm -hmm. as more docks and also the MagSafe now for Mac, which I everybody loved MagSafe and was so sad when they got rid of it. So I'm really happy that they're bringing it back. Yeah. So uh, in this episode, we want to talk to you about the MacBook Pro specifically. Um, really, the processor is one of the huge draws of it. And then as David said, there's all of the hardware things that Apple brought back that people have been wanting for so long. And kind of a lot of people we know, including people in our office, have been holding off on getting a new computer because they they want that classic MacBook Pro with lots of ports, with MagSafe, with a good webcam. Apple delivered all of that, plus their own chip that's really powerful and amazing. And you have two options of those. So for people who want to be doing more like high-powered things on a notebook, pro notebook, this is the device they've been waiting for. So this episode is less, should you buy the new MacBook? And more, if you are going to buy one, how do you want to customize it? Because Apple has a lot of different options to upgrade it. But if you went for all of it, you're going to spend almost seven grand on a laptop. A money, so yeah. <laughs> we don't think you probably want to do that. So we'll talk more about the trade-offs of what the options are and, and what we think you should do. Yeah. So let me start because I wasn't here in the in the last <laughs> episode of Should You Buy It. I'm going to start with a Should You Buy It because okay. I have I, – I did buy it. So that's <laughs> the first step. Um, so – and I'll tell you why in a second – but I, mine hasn't come yet, but um, another coworker of mine got his, and so I had a little bit of hands-on experience with it. And the first thing you'll notice when you get it, it's a big machine. It's Apple, in some ways, Apple has focused so heavily on thinness of device that um, they had to sacrifice a lot, and they swung back around a little bit for this one in terms of they made it a really powerful device with a powerful fan, a long battery life, but they paid the price in terms of it's a thicker device than the last Mac. Um, than and the heavier. MacBook Pro I have. It's yeah. thicker, it's heavier. Part of that's the ports, part of that's the battery. So right off the bat, I just want to emphasize that because I don't think that the Pro line is for everyone. I think that there's a really good case to be made if you were not a power user, if you're not using this for work, to consider the MacBook Air, which is still an excellent computer. The M1 chip is still an excellent processor. And it's so much lighter that if you're really wanting to focus on portability, you don't care about the ports, I think it's a decision to do it. So I want to start there because I was actually surprised when I saw it. It's, it's big and it's heavy. And that's not like if you put them side by side with the – I have the 2016 computer and you put it side by side and if you didn't know, you would think the 2016 was the newer of the two computers. It's slimmer. It's a little bit less bulky and heavy. So That's a big statement. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a weird feeling to get a brand new, really expensive computer and be like, it looks like I bought this in 2013. <laughs> mm. It's true. I do think we've come to equate a thicker computer with just being dated. Yeah. That being said, part of the excitement around the Mac right now is for those people like me who is a power user, who uses my computer every day for work, wants that powerful processor, we were sort of in a bind because the M1 chip probably wasn't quite powerful enough, but nobody wanted to buy an Intel Mac because Apple's moving away from that. That's sort of an out, you're going to be end up with an outdated technology very quickly. And so there wasn't an option. And that's where this comes in. This is sort of Apple's refresh where you're getting the latest, most powerful 
tools in a way that's sort of future-proofing your device. Um, so let me talk about what I got, because there's two options here. There's the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. Um, and they have, I so starting off, I got the 16-inch. Again, if you're getting a Pro, you are not optimizing for portability. And so I just leaned into that. I got the 16-inch as opposed to the 14-inch because I like having a big screen when I'm working, um, and I don't mind having a little bit of an extra weight for that. Uh, so with that comes the 10-core CPU, 16-core GPU. CPU stands for Central Processing Unit. GPU is the graphics card. Um, and then you have an option from there. You have the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. The M1 Max is also 10 core, but has 16 core or 32 core GPU. So it has a better graphics card. I opted for the better graphics card because I do do graphics. I'll do sometimes video editing for this podcast, or I will do uh, Photoshop, things like that. But one of the interesting things I found when researching this was that a lot of the recommendations were actually not to get that unless you're doing heavy graphics work because it uses more battery even if you are not doing heavy graphics work. Interesting. And so a lot of people were saying that the M1 Pro was not only sufficient but in some ways better because you're conserving battery, hmm. which I – because the pricing difference isn't that much different. It's um, – I guess it is. It's <laughs> it's like an extra, I'm looking, I think it's like an extra $800. Um, so the price, oh, well, that's a difference in um, RAM as well. So yeah, I think it's only $400. So if you're spending this much on a machine, it's pretty tempting to go with M1 Max. But I think that unless you're doing heavy graphics work, you're probably okay with the M1 Pro. Um, so that's, that's the first couple things. Um, the other two options you're going to have are you're gonna have RAM and then you have solid state storage. So we just talked about the CPUs. CPUs are same across the board for the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. Um, the GPUs are more for the um, Max than the Pro. Um, again, if you're doing a lot of GPU is graphics, it's if you're doing a lot of graphics, either gaming or video editing, things like that, you're gonna really want that GPU. But if you're not, you might be fine without it, save some money, save some battery life. The other area though that I do really recommend splurging on is RAM. So they, RAM, Apple calls a unified memory. RAM is basically what the, the memory your computer uses temporarily while you're using your computer. So what that happens is if you're running a lot of different applications at the same time, if you have a lot of web browsers open, things like that, RAM is what handles that. So Sort of like your computer's capacity at that moment, like what all it can do at one time. Yes, <laughs> it's what it can do at one time is a good way to say it. Yeah. So when you get the little spinny beach ball of death, <laughs> usually the it's rainbow a, wheel the I hate rainbow it rainbow wheel of death is usually a RAM problem sometimes it's a CPU problem but more times than not it's a RAM problem so what ends up happening a lot of times is that you end up getting an expensive computer but you don't get enough RAM and so you're sitting and being like why I have such a good processor why am I getting the spinning wheel it's because you probably didn't have enough RAM 
Um, obviously, some of that can be handled in usage. If you close out your web browsers, you don't run as many applications, but that's annoying. And yeah, it's not conducive to being a power user. Like we want to be able to be doing a lot at once and use it in high powered tasks. Exactly. And Apple has, in my opinion, been pretty behind on RAM. They were trying to do it. They were trying to have an operating system that was so efficient that you didn't need RAM. But in my opinion, they had not pulled that off yet because most PCs were running 32 or 64 gigabytes of RAM, whereas Mac, the, the MacBook, the most RAM they offered for a MacBook Pro was 16 gigabytes, which in my opinion um, can be enough. Like you can make it work, but having more RAM really does matter. So I opted again because I'm, I buy a computer once every five, 10 years. I opted for the 64 gigabytes of RAM. In my opinion, you're, you're probably fine with 32 gigabytes of RAM, but you should probably splurge over the default 16 gigabytes, even though Apple is charging you way too much to upgrade that, which is annoying. That's my opinion on that. Yeah, and so you do pay an extra 400 to get the 64 gigabytes, by the okay. way. Okay, you pay That's an extra lot. 400, gotcha. Yeah. Then from there, with the storage too, it's, um, you know, if you get two terabytes over one terabyte of storage, it's another 400. So it really, adds up really quickly. Yeah. Again. With the storage though, you could always use an external hard drive. And I'm of the opinion actually, I've been using my computer now for five years. I have a t one terabyte and I'm nowhere near maxing it out. So I'm actually yeah. of the opinion where I think a terabyte is perfectly fine for most <laughs> people, unless you're doing a lot of video work. So you'll go on the record saying, get the 64 gigabytes of memory, but you're okay with one terabyte of storage? Yeah, I'm on record. And I think <laughs> you could make do with 32 gigabytes of memory. So I think you should not, because the, the M1 Pro offers 16 gigabytes of memory, and I'm on record saying that's not enough, and 512 gigabytes of solid-state storage is not enough. So mm. the, if you go the base base, it's not going to be enough. But I don't think you need to max it out either. I don't think you need to max out the chip. I don't think you need to max out the RAM, and I don't think you need to max out the solid-state storage. I like the pun there. You don't need to max out the chip with the M1 <laughs> with the max. M1 max, yeah. <laughs> da -da -da <laughs> what do you think, Donna? I'm, I'm talking a lot about really geeky things. Am I being clear, and are you in agreement with what I'm saying? I think so. I mean, my experience has been that not having enough RAM is really, really annoying. Yeah. So I would say splurging on that makes sense. And in our office, we've used external hard drives quite a bit and they work really well and they're pretty affordable. Like you can get, um, you can get a terabyte hard drive for like less than a hundred dollars. You can get a few terabytes for less than like $200. Yeah. And so in a lot, I do think that makes sense um, that you would do that. It's not that... And you might not even need it. Yeah, and a lot I, of that also is because if you use cloud storage for things, like we use Dropbox at our office. And so a lot of the files we need, we, you know, we don't sync everything to our local computers, only the files that we need. And so you're unlikely to use as much storage I, What space. I would say is knowing that you can use an external hard drive gives, gives you some peace of mind. But if you know you're going to have to use it, it's really nice yeah. to have it internally so that you're not like, let's say you want to go work from a coffee shop. You don't want it to carry around an external hard drive with you. Sure. Um, and it's just it, the management of where devices, where like files are stored locally versus externally can get a lot. So if you know you're going to use that, then I think you're probably better off 
splurging on the extra storage for convenience. But I just think for most people, thir- uh, a, a terabyte of storage is a lot. Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing a lot of heavy video work, it's just a lot. I was also interested to hear what you said about the M1 Pro versus the M1 Max because I actually I hadn't f- formed an opinion fully on which one to go with for that. But it did seem like, I mean, a lot of Apple's presentation was was at people who are like producing video games or our cinematographers or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, that's not most of you listening are probably not in that boat. Yeah. Um, if you are a photographer or you make videos or whatever, you might want to get the M1 Max. But hearing that it actually slows down your battery, that's interesting to hear and makes me think that probably the everyday user would be better off with the M1 Pro, which is still an amazing chip. So. It's, exactly. It's still an amazing chip. And also it's the same to get back to the original point if you aren't doing a lot of heavy work, we're at a place with processing power where um, for most people, you don't need what the modern processor has. And so that's where the M1 is still a perfectly good chip for most people. So if you want portability and you want to save some money, I think buying a MacBook Air is a perfectly reasonable decision. Uh, If you want the middle tier, then I think the M1 uh, Pro is is a really good offer. And... If you're doing a lot of video work, then you really need to start, you know, considering the Macs. But again, up until this point, Apple hasn't even offered this. We have a team that does a lot, a lot of video work on 16 gigabytes of RAM, on, you know, an Intel processor, and it, it works fine. So all of this is sort of a nice luxury to have if you can afford it. Um, and then from there, you have to figure out how much you use your computer and how much heavy graphics work you do. Or gaming, I keep leaving out because most people don't game on Macs, but if you are gaming, then the GPUs are helpful too. Yeah, what's interesting about all of this is that I have the M1 MacBook Air. If I hadn't bought this and I was in the market right now to get a MacBook, I think what I would do, would get, I would get the MacBook Pro with the M1 Pro chip because I don't need the M1 Max chip. I'd probably be fine with 32 gigabytes of memory. I don't yeah. know that I would need no, 64 and I would stick with the one terabyte of storage. So for what that's worth, that's why I would do that. That's what I would do. And the reason I would do that is not to get the M1 Pro chip because I've been happy with the M1. The reason I would do that is because of the other features they're bringing back to the M1 to the MacBook Pro that mean that uh, being more ports. It's driving me crazy only having the USB-C ports or the Thunderbolt ports. There's two of them, and that's Uh it. Um, So with the MacBook Pro, you get... um, God, what are all the different ones? You get a micro SD. You get a USB-C. I think you get a traditional USB-A. And you get the MagSafe charger as well. Yeah, so it just makes it a lot easier to connect to other things. With the MacBook Air, I'm constantly using these sort of like docking stations yeah. that have all of the ports I need. So it just, it's like extra accessories that I have to buy, which is annoying. Also, the webcam is not good the on webcam, the MacBook Air. Yeah. It's 720p. The MacBook Pro finally has a 1080p one. I also think people are so excited about the new processors as they should be that they aren't talking enough about the amazing screen. The amazing screen. The micro yeah. LED is really awesome. Um, with a high refresh rate. Yeah, exactly. With the 120 refresh rate. The one thing I will say that's going to be really annoying is if you are listening to this and you think, I don't know that I need a pro line computer, maybe I'll get the the MacBook Air. There's a lot of rumors that there's going to be a refresh of the MacBook Air next year Yeah, in the spring. So it's not that long of a wait. You probably end up with a 
nicer chip. It won't be as nice, I think, but I think they'll have like an M2 chip uh, and you'll get a micro LED. So there is an argument to be made for potentially waiting if you want a middle, like if you want portability, but I, I would have a hard time just trying buying a MacBook Air right at this minute because yeah. I think that in six months you can get a nicer MacBook Air for the same price. It'll probably have the nicer webcam too. It probably still won't have many ports just because they yeah. try to keep the MacBook Air so thin. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you? They'll probably just have the 13 inch. The other thing that's I don't like about the MacBook Air is that it's small. Yeah. Like I think the 16 inch is really nice. The six like for me it was a very clear cut decision. I don't need portability because most of the time I'm just at my office and I wanted a bigger screen and I wanted the power. But if you want the portability, then it gets trickier. Yeah. Um, I think I'm in the minority here. I know I'm in the minority here, but I actually don't need all these ports everyone's so excited about the extra <laughs> ports and i'm perfectly fine with USB-C ports really yeah i don't know what my usage is versus other people but like i've never in my life used them that's not true i have a micro sd chip card reader here like i don't need that functionality on my computer i'm if i have a dongle if i need it to read in a micro sd i don't know i don't I personally would have rather just had a thinner computer and not had those ports. Well, what about the external monitor? We had to get special, more expensive external monitors that work yeah, with but, the newer MacBooks. I mean, they're not great, but... Yeah, but the, now there's a, actually a lot more available, and mm. I love my external monitor so, so much. Yeah, I actually do, too. Um, that I'm okay with it all. I know I'm in the minority here, so I'm I'm just going to be like, everybody else wants their docks and I'm, or their their ports, and I'm happy to let them have it. But for me, that would not be a reason to buy a computer. I don't care. Well, so I think, do you have any parting thoughts on the MacBook Pro? I know, but I'd be curious to hear what everybody thinks. I, yes. First of all, I'd be curious to hear, is this conversation helpful? We got a lot more technical than we normally do. Are we in over, like, is this too, are we too in the weeds here? But also, are you getting a MacBook Pro? And if so, which one? Or are you getting a... You know, what are you doing with your computers? Because are you getting a MacBook Air <laughs> next year? Are you, did we just convince you to get a MacBook Air now? What are your thoughts? We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at iPhoneLife.com. Tell us about computers. Tell us about computers. <laughs> okay. So um, I want to chat with you about my Apple Watch Series 7 yes. before we wrap up this episode. So I decided to buy the Series 7. Um, I had the Series 4, so it had been a few years since upgrading. Um, and I, as I talked about in the podcast before, but I'll recap for you now, the reason I chose to upgrade is because of the stacking of features over the past three years. I don't think that if you have a Series 6 that the Series 7 has enough yeah. to offer, maybe even the Series over the Series 5, enough to offer to make you want to upgrade. I have the 6, and at no point did I consider upgrading, to be honest. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So since the Series 4, I have like quite a few new features, including the blood oxygen reading. And um, there's the always on display. And those are things that have, they're not new, new for the Series 7. The things that I do get that are Series 7 only is the fast charging, which now it can charge, I think, 50% in an hour and a half or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really helpful if you want to do things like wear your Apple Watch at night for sleep tracking. And then you could charge up your watch while you're in the shower and have enough power to get through the day, maybe charge it a little bit at work. Um, so that I think is pretty game changing because one of the Apple Watch shortcomings is that it doesn't have a very long battery life. It can make it through the day, but sometimes just barely, especially if you work out or do you know some of the health readings that take more battery power. So fast charging 
while it would be better if the Apple Watch just had a faster, a longer battery life, fast charging is a pretty good workaround for that. Yeah. And then the other thing is that it is thinner. I, the Apple Watch has kind of irked me for a long time because I don't love, love the way it looks. Like I think it's like fine, but it's not great in mm-hmm. terms of style in and my mind. To the point where you actually had stopped using it a lot, right? Yeah, I'm so, I kind of cycle on and off using my <laughs> Apple Watch, I've noticed, because I do like the features, but then it's not like always a look that I want to have or I don't know. Um, but there's other reasons too. Sometimes I find that my Apple Watch actually like makes me more addicted to my tech. Like it's oh, always weird. like drawing me into things. Um, but overall, I think that this is a sleeker looking Apple watch. It is thinner and it uh, has more, they're using more of the display. Um, so like thinner bezels, I guess is what, yeah. what you'd say. Um, and the other cool thing is that it has a full on-screen keyboard, which I got to play around a little bit with this morning. I think I'm going to need more time before I can really tell you how effective I think it is. Um, so it has a full on-screen keyboard for texting because in the past you can dictate a message, but it doesn't have a great way to review it. If you made a mistake, it's just like sends it, yeah. um, which then you can like send weird text messages. And they had other features like scribble to let you like write out letter by letter what you're trying to say, but that doesn't work that well. So this is better, but you do need to use swipe text like the keys are still very small especially on the smaller sized apple watch yeah so you can like tap each letter by letter but like good luck with that it's gonna be really hard <laughs> um uh but if swipe texting is something i haven't used that much on my iphone so i haven't perfected it but i think if i uh, practice it more i could get good and it seemed like a pretty decent swipe texting like it was guessing what i was trying to swipe pretty well um so i think that makes that makes the apple watch a much more viable messaging device whereas before i pretty much just used it for health stuff yeah i use it to read a message but if i wanted to respond i'd always take out my phone yeah yeah that makes sense and are you noticing the screen like do you is it a is the big screen noticeable is it a like a noteworthy feature well it's like i mean i no i wouldn't say that it's like that noticeable i mean especially because you have the smaller size because yeah it's it's hard for me to judge because i have the bigger size so my screen's bigger to begin with um, which is funny because now I'm thinking about it and I'm realizing I don't think they give me a keyboard. They don't. So that's weird. Yeah. So Even I've got though the I full have a bigger keyboard. screen than you, they won't let me do a keyboard. Yeah. And so I guess looking at our side by side, like the um, my keyboard goes like all the way pretty much to the edge of my display, even where my oh, Apple yeah. Watch is starting to curve down a little that's bit. Crazy. So it is making use of more space. But if you can see, like each letter is still quite a bit smaller than my finger. Yeah. So trying to tap one by one, I'm just going to get it wrong a lot. Yeah. Um, but so those were both features, though, that I was excited about. Um, I also got the Solo Loop Band, which that's been around for a while. So that's not really new news, but I still wanted to tell you about it. The Solo Loop is the one that doesn't have a clasp. You just like, um, it's stretchy. So you can just put it over your wrist. And I just, uh, I feel like I got really lucky because this is one of those ones they have, a, it's kind of an ordeal to order. You yeah. have to, you're supposed to print out the sizing guide thing, which for me was too much of a barrier. When I was going to order it, I wanted to get the pre-order in early and I mm. didn't have a printer near me and I wanted the solo loop band. So instead of doing the whole printout, cause you're supposed to be very precise with it, all the reviews online are like, if you want the solo loop to work, you need to do oh, this. No. Uh, but I ended up just like reading reviews of other people's sizing and just guessing size four and put that in and it fits me perfectly, okay. which I'm very happy about, but I uh, wouldn't recommend doing that. But I do think the solo loop, um, 
is really nice. And I think not having a clasp is nice and more comfortable than the sport band that has the like rubber clasp. I found that to be not my favorite. In, yeah, I agree. I, I had the same thing where I'm like, I wanted that, but also I didn't want to go through the trouble, so I ended up not. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I like the solo loop. Um, cool. I will report back to you on if I get really good at swipe texting on my Apple Watch or if it ends up being kind of a fail. So we'll, I'll keep you posted. Also on fast charging, because that's something I, one of the reasons I bought it, but I've not tested out yet. But overall, would you say you're you kind of invalidates your hypothesis that upgrading from the four was worthwhile, but if you had the six, you probably wouldn't have bothered? Yeah, like I would nothing say about this that I'm hearing that the new new features for the seven were worth upgrading if you have the six, but that it yeah. is clearly the best Apple Watch and is a nice upgrade. Yes, I, I agree with all of that. Um, another thing, Apple you know, hypes is like new watch faces and stuff like that. I'm like, that's not worth, that's yeah, not exciting I, to me. I but. actually struggle with watch faces because I really, I have the like modular one that has like all the graphic information on it and it's so ugly, but I, I can't get away from it because I like all the little like, complications because it's actually useful it's actually useful <laughs> yeah instead I of struggle. having like a squid on your display it looks cool but... it looks so cool though i like weirdly like the squid i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i do like the squid too but yeah so what's your com what's your apple watch face um i can't remember what it's called but it's one it also is one of the more practical oh, yeah. ones like i've got you my just have like one color and i have multiple colors but yeah. you have a lot of complications there and i used one of our daily tips to add step count to my apple watch Ooh. face because you can find your step count in your activity app, but you can't add it as a complication from the activity app. You have to get a third-party app. Pedometer Plus Plus is one that Olena, one of our writers, tested out and likes. So now I can see, wow, I've only taken 481 steps so far today. That is pretty <laughs> dismal. I'll have to get out later for a walk. But That yeah. is a good tip because I find that I don't, like I have the complication that shows little Apple like activity tracker mm -hmm. score, but I find I don't use it very much. I think steps yeah. would be a measure I would use more. Yeah, the complications are nice that way because it puts the information in your face. You don't have to go digging for it. Yeah. Um, all right, so that is my very early review of the Apple Watch Series 7. Stay tuned for more. And I think that wraps up our episode 171 of the iPhone Life podcast. Thank you all yeah. for tuning in. Thank you all. And insiders, stick around. We have uh, some special content just for you. Bye. Bye.